Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo and hello, everybody. My name is Mike Moynihan, and welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast. This is episode one. This is the inaugural episode of a podcast about vintage baseball cards. And it vintage baseball just has something about it that really sparks an air of nostalgia. It sparks an air of love of the game and history of the game. And so, man, I just thought I'd do a podcast about it. And hopefully, over time, you guys can come along this journey with us and we can have a lot of a lot of fun talking about the hobby, talking about sports cards, baseball specifically. But this is a journey that I don't want to take on my own because it's always a lot more fun to talk about cards with your friends. And so I've invited one of my close, close friends. He's really like a brother to me. And his name's Andy Davis. And he's going to be joining us every week as we go through this world of vintage. Andy, how you doing? I'm doing good, Mike. How are you, man? You know? I've had a good day. Did you have a good day? Yeah, man. It's, uh, you know, kind of Tuesday here. So, hey, it's beginning of the week. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm just excited to be here, man. This is I think this is a great idea. And I'm just like ready to ready to contribute in whatever way I can and hopefully learn along the way. Yeah. Uh, hopefully people as they're listening or watching will learn a lot more about us. We've uh, know we know each other really well. But I think it's so much fun to tell stories and connect with people through that and through this medium and this new. We both have YouTube channels, by the way, where we talk, have been doing it for years and we talk about sports cards all the time on our YouTube channel. But hopefully there's going to be some people, maybe the five people that aren't watch, that aren't YouTube watchers that, might, that listen to this on some podcast network around the world will enjoy what we have to talk about. Yeah, um, this this will be uh, this will be an opportunity, I think, to to share, hopefully, with a lot of different people. Um, hopefully, you know, the people that enjoy listening to us on YouTube will also enjoy listening to us, you know, on other in other places. Yeah. Are you a big podcast guy? Have you ever do you listen to a lot of hobby podcasts? Um, yeah, I, I really enjoy a lot of different ones. Um I think this this one is going to be a little bit different though because I I don't I mean I'm sure there might be vintage card podcasts out there but I'm just not aware of very many most of the ones I listen to is you know more they're talking more modern stuff I guess so this this will be a nice change of pace I'm just I'm kind of excited about this So you think this is filling a void to some degree in the podcast universe for the hobby I do. And um, obviously, I think that was 
you know, your intention when you came up with this idea is you saw this, you saw this void and it's obviously an era of baseball and card collecting that's, you know, very near and dear to your heart. And, you know, I think a lot of people obviously share that passion and yeah, I think this is, this is going to be something, uh, I think people are going to enjoy this hopefully. Yeah, I do too. You know, the hobby's grown so much recently, uh, that again, y'all will hear our stories throughout this and maybe even a little bit more tonight, but right now all the rage is all the shine and the big hits. And I really think vintage has kind of been pushed to the side and in the minds of most collectors, the average collector, and hopefully through this, we can educate and, and inform and really hopefully infect you kind of with that passion that we have for vintage, vintage baseball cards. So that's the idea, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of newcomers to the hobby and first off, I would, you know, welcome anyone that wants to come in. This is a great hobby. Collecting is so much fun. I know it's brought both of us a lot of joy over the years, but I think a lot of, you know, newer people, um, specifically younger people, they just, they just may not know much about some of these players and sets. And hopefully that's, you know, something we can possibly bring to the forefront for some people. And, you know, maybe it's something they want to look into. For sure. That is goal number one, I would say, for our podcast as we go forward. And, you know, I think it's important that we kind of give these listeners and these people an idea of what to expect over the number of episodes that we hope to do. I don't think each show is going to look the same, but the format would be pretty simple. We're, we're going to try to do some interviews with some, you know, different collectors that focus on the various areas of vintage that I think are interesting and that you could probably learn about. There's so many different things, way more than people think. I think people think tops and then they kind of stop thinking about vintage and there's so much more. So talking to different collectors, I think will be great. Uh, hopefully we can bring in some, some hobby people in terms of in the, on the business side, whether it be auction house guys that can get some light on some things and, and really shed some light on some really cool and unique items. Cause I think auction houses bring a great thing to the hobby because they bring the unique usually out of hiding, so to speak, or out of the closets. And then you've got, uh, maybe we can talk to even some of the card manufacturers and get, take it from a vintage standpoint. We'll see if we can get that done. Heck, maybe we even talk to some former major league players about what it was like to have baseball cards back in the day. But are there some other things you think we could uh, cover over the show weeks as we do this? Well, I don't know. Um, I don't know if you want to name drop yet, but this might get people a little bit excited about a future episode. I know that you've already talked to one potential guest that, specializes in a lot of that stuff that you know a lot of people probably don't know about so do you want to go ahead and share who's who's going to be on a future episode yeah so it's going to be uh, dave berg and people that watch youtube know him as blue jacket 66 and you talk about an eclectic collector and an incredibly knowledgeable guy about the hobby he's been doing it since i think you know, the turn of the century and he is just going to bring an amazing amount of knowledge about the unique 
things, especially in food and beverage. You and I both know he's an expert in that, but again, way more than that. So I'm excited about him coming on. That should be fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited. Anytime I get to talk to Dave, I'm excited because, I mean, he's such a great guy, as you know, and he just has so much knowledge on these issues. Like he can, he can break down the cards like no one that I've ever talked to before. Just the, you know, the tiniest details. So he's, yeah, he's, he's just a wealth of knowledge and this kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that for sure. Yeah, and he's just to get started. We're, we're hopefully going to continue those ideas because I think hearing not just hearing you and I's opinions every week is going to be important. Uh, but there's going to be weeks where we spotlight different sets and, and try to educate people on sets. And, you know, there's so many things about a different set that is important or might be unique and, in, and interesting to people. We're going to highlight vintage players because, like you said, Andy, I think so many people today don't know the vintage players. And I think that's to their detriment. There is so much to learn from history and you're a big history guy, right? So yeah, it, that'll be great. I think you'll learn a lot too. Uh, as we go through that, we're going to look at autographs. Uh, what a great area of the hobby that again, I think is getting pushed to the side a lot, unless it's a modern, you know, hot prospect kind of guy, the idea of having vintage autographs, is lost on a lot of people. So looking at that market and talking through that. And then I think the most important valuable contribution we're going to get is from the listeners, from people giving us ideas. We, you know, I don't think you and I have a monopoly on all the good ideas that we could do shows on. Right. So, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, that's definitely something that I think is going to be very important along the way is to, you know, to have that interaction from, from people that, you know, watch or listen to the podcast and, you know, see, see what some of their thoughts are and what kind, what kind of topics they would like to hear covered. Cause that's, I mean, that's really ultimately what we want to do is, you know, we, we love to talk about this stuff and, you know, we would do it anyway, but it, it's great if like, there's going to be something out there that people are really kind of wanting to actually have us dig into a little bit. Yeah. That'll make it all the better. Right. We, we want to give you guys what you want to hear, not necessarily what we want to talk about, because we can talk about any of it and it's fun for us. So matters not to us, right? We will talk about any of it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, again, our, our YouTube audience knows a lot of these stories, but hopefully we're reaching an audience that doesn't know us at all. And they're going, who are these two yahoos talking to us about vintage cards and why should we listen to a darn thing that they have to say? Andy, maybe give some people your history in the hobby and, you know, how long you've been doing it, how you got into it, all that kind of good stuff. So I, I started in this hobby when I was eight years old. This is back in 1987. And it, it all started with, you know, a couple of packs of 87 tops baseball that, I, you know, I talked my mom into letting me get at a gas station after after I played a little league game. You know how you're just kind of like fired up after a game. Hope I'm thinking that we probably won that game, but that's how I remember it, anyways. But yeah, like you're you're just kind of fired up after the game, and you you know this was kind of my first time of really looking at baseball cards. So I, I bought a couple of packs, you know, 
A7 tops, wood grain borders, very reminiscent of 62 tops. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of what got me started. And, you know, I think I took a couple of years off when I was in high school, like a lot of people. But other than that, I've, I've been collecting pretty, pretty steadily for about the last, you know, 30 years, 30 plus years. How about yourself, Mike? How, how did you get started and how long have you been in the hobby? Well, that's impressive, by the way, just before I tell my story, um, I never get tired of hearing how people people got started. <clears throat> it's always fascinating to me what what brings people into the hobby and how they stay in the hobby and how they get out and get back in. And it's incredibly common to hear that. For me, uh, man, I, I distinctly remember 1981 and being the first year that I actually opened packs and, you know, 81 was a, a unique year in the baseball card world because tops lost its monopoly on cards. It became tops, Fleer and Donruss. You weren't even, yeah, you were alive, but <laughs> I would have been two years old, but uh, so years I don't old. remember it, but I believe you. You believe me. That's what happened. I promise. Fleer and Donruss came in and they, started making baseball cards and they were horrible. I mean, quality control was awful. The pictures were blurry and yucky. I mean, it was just, I, I think so rushed and oh my gosh, and so many error cards and it was just fun, funny probably. But I remember opening those packs of 81 Donruss and 81 Fleer because they were cheaper than Tops. And my mom would buy me those packs at the five and dime store. And I remember opening them and putting them on my floor in my bedroom and arranging them by team and just doing things that uh, I thought were cool and stacking them together and rubber banding them together. So 81 was when I kind of got started and I have literally not had a break since I've slowed down, right? Like a lot of people through college, high school, but I never stopped loving the hobby. I never stopped going to shows. I never stopped collecting uh it just had periods of slower you know less buying than than other times you know again as we as we continue and we'll expound on our on our history and the hobby over time the one thing i think that's key for us to get out on the table tonight and today as we talk about this podcast and launching this podcast is because this is about vintage and Tell me maybe, Andy, your story of how you, you know, just came to love vintage. All right. So for me, I think you kind of you kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I'm I'm a huge fan of baseball history. So I can remember as a child, you know, reading books and stories about Mickey Mantle, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, um, you know, all these great players from the 50s, 60s. And I was just I was really drawn to that. And then I started, you know, after I got into to cards, I I kind of started looking at some of those cards and I don't know, like there's 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 really something about vintage cards that is it's really appealing. And I think part of it is because in the in the modern card era, you know, condition is so important, right? And the vintage cards, it's not that the condition isn't important, but you know, little imperfections on some of these cards, they kind of tell the story and the history of the card. Like, 
maybe this one has like a little small pinhole where somebody, you know, had it pinned on their wall, or maybe it was put in like a scrapbook or something, you know, it's got glue on the back and you can see the, the residue and those things like I, for, for me anyway, like I, I definitely overlook those things on vintage cards because to me, that's just part of it. That's part of the, the history of the card. And, and people back then, you know, they treated these, you know, kind of like they would a toy. Like they weren't, you know, they weren't penny sleeved and top loaded immediately out of the pack. So they got handled a lot. And it, it's just really neat to to look at uh, just to kind of look at how th things have changed over the years. And I just have an appreciation for huge appreciation for the history of baseball. Yeah, me too. Uh my story of how I became a vintage collector, and that doesn't mean I don't like modern or, or, or buy modern cards from time to time, but the reason I started to focus on vintage started when I was really young. Do you remember in 1983, Donruss came out with a, a pack or a series called Hall of Fame Heroes? Do you remember that? I mean, I can, I know it now. I was probably four years old at the time. Yeah. So. You know that that existed, right? That that I was knew, uh, and so 83, I was about 10 and I saw that I, I bought some of those and I thought they were beautiful. The artwork is by Dick Perez, you know, renowned sports card artist, diamond Kings and Perez steel cards, etc. And I remember seeing that set and going, man, I don't know who a lot of these players are. They look really old though, <laughs> you know, and so I started learning and my mom bought me the baseball card or not the baseball card, the baseball encyclopedia, giant book, right? Huge book with every player that's ever played and all the stats and world series and you name it is in the baseball encyclopedia. It was a book. Now we have things like baseballreference.com where you can look up anything you want, but back then you actually had to read it. And so I, I distinctly remember reading through the baseball encyclopedia and really any baseball book that I could get my hands on. I was a sponge just wanting to learn that, you know, Babe Ruth hit 60 home runs and Joe DiMaggio had a 56 game hitting. All these numbers became historic. They became uh, just hallowed in my mind. Uh, you know, Ted Williams hitting 406 in 1940. These are just things that are literally ingrained. I could tell you for a long time, I could have told you the top 10 in home runs, runs batted in, batting average, and who had the highest season, single season, and, you know, things like maybe we'll someday talk about records that will never be broken. But thinking about all of those things, they've changed somewhat over the last, you know, 35 to 40 years. But I just remember learning. And so as I was learning, I, I grew to have an appreciation for it. That doesn't mean I started collecting it. It just means I really knew that I had a, a respect and appreciation for the history of the game. So fast forward to, you know, I guess it was probably close to a decade ago when maybe a little less, seven or years or so. And I... I'm a recovering player collector, player super collector. Did you know this, Andrew? I'm aware. <laughs> and so throughout the 80s, I collected Daryl Strawberry because I thought he was the bomb. And he was just, he had a great career. He still had a very good career. 
thought he was going to be a Hall of Famer based on what he was doing early in his career with the Mets. Then I graduated from him to Juan Gonzalez, who again starts on fire and, you know, home run titles, two home run titles, two MVPs. Like, and he played for, by the way, my favorite team is the Texas Rangers, yours is the Chicago Cubs. Just so we get that out there for everybody to understand where we come from as we talk about things going forward. But Juan Gonzalez, you know, I think he's a borderline. Like he's not going to make the Hall of Fame, but borderline. Through that process, I also collected some Yvonne Rodriguez. I then became a Michael Young collector because I love the way he played. And then I started collecting Josh Hamilton and saw what Josh Hamilton did in the 2008 home run derby. Do you remember that? Did you ever see that in Yankee Stadium? Oh, yes. I remember that well. That was a I, – I literally watched that and went straight to my computer and bought his all-star jersey from that game from that you know the jersey you could buy on mlb.com the the practice jersey that they wore during the home run derby because i just was so mesmerized and amazed at what he did and oh he played for my range he plays for my rangers like this guy is legit this guy is special and he was special he's a special talent but talent alone doesn't make you a hall of fame player right that if, if it was the hall of talent there'd be a lot di different names you know in cooperstown right and so I, I was a Josh Hamilton super collector. I dumped tons and tons of money into Josh Hamilton. And then his career fizzles out uh, six or eight years. And, you know, he had a, a really good run. And then so my point of telling you that whole story is I've been on that side of being a buying what was current, buying what was now you know, buying the player that I love, the team that I love. And I kept thinking, golly, you got to be right to have this payoff. Now, look, doing it for the love, that's that's one thing. And I did love doing it. But at the same time, you kind of go, man, I'm putting a lot of money into this. And now these cards are worth pennies on the dollar from what I paid for them. And that's just a shame. It's not that it like I did it eyes wide open. Don't get me wrong. I knew exactly what I was doing and I don't begrudge anyone for those decisions or blame anybody, but it it's like, wow. So I started going back to, you know, I've always loved the history and I love all these players and I know who they are. Why don't I start collecting those? Because these are guys that are already there. They've already done it. They've already proven themselves. I don't have to worry about some tragedy befalling them through injury or life circumstances or whatever to derail their career or their their card values and again it's not about I'm, i hope this doesn't sound like it's about the money but you know what i'm talking about right andy the well i mean like for all of us that have collected for a long time i mean obviously we love it or we wouldn't continue to do it but at the end of the day you don't want to put your money into anything that's going to be worthless down the road right Right. I mean, I certainly don't. <laughs> so that got me thinking on the Hall of Fame stuff. And I started uh, with Hall of Fame autographs. Be you know, here's a funny story. You may not have ever heard this story. I went to Rangers Fan Fest. And Fergie Jenkins was there signing autographs for a charity. I don't, couldn't even tell you the charity. And Raleigh Fingers was there, too, with him. It was $20 to get... Fergie Jenkins to sign a card. 
or anything. He had, he, they had eight by tens. You could have him sign. I think I had him sign an eight by 10 because I didn't have any cards because I didn't know he was going to be there. And so I, $20, like, wow, that, and even a few years ago when this happened, this was like 2011, 2010, something like that. Even then it wasn't like $20 that it's not jump. It's not a lot of money, right? 20 bucks. And I thought to get a hall of famer to sign a card or, or whatever for me, I thought, okay, how many challenge myself? I wonder how many hall of famers I can get autographs of for $20 or less. Turns out you can get quite a few. We may even do a whole episode on that for people wanting to maybe start a, a hall of fame autograph collection for baseball and kind of go through some players. But if you'd like to hear that, let us know in the show notes or in the comments below. But so I got this Fergie Jenkins autograph and I started getting more and more and I'm like, wow, this is awesome. I mean, I, I got, I ran out of the $20 guys pretty quick, but I was at that point I was hooked and I was completely captivated by it and continued to just acquire and acquire and acquire and get bigger names, bigger names, bigger names. And I loved the hunt for those and I loved finding them and I kept just getting more and more. And we'll talk about the extent and breadth of our collections as we go through episodes, but, then I started getting into the cards too. Cause I'm like, well, uh, Mickey Mantle, not only has you can get his autograph on a bunch of stuff, but he has all these great tops cards and all these other great cards. And so does every other hall of famer. And so I started falling in love again with the designs. I started falling in love again with the backs and the pictures and the stats. And it, it just rekindled my love for the hobby in a way that modern couldn't itch that scratch for me anymore. I had been down that road of failure and it was, I'm just going to go back to tried and true. I'm going to go back to the guys that have, that have been there, done that and got the call to the hall. And not that all vintage has to be about hall of famers. Right. Um, right. And it's not, there's plenty of vintage cards that don't have hall of famers pictured on them and they're all wonderful too, but it just, it, it was, a, it was a simpler way to do it. If that makes yeah. sense. So what, what in your mind is considered vintage? Like where does, where does vintage kind of, what's the cutoff date as far as vintage goes in your opinion? That's a longstanding hobby debate, isn't it? Uh, it is. It is. So for me personally, my opinion is, so I look at pre-war as its own era. And we're not going to be talking about pre-war on this podcast at all because A, you and I don't know enough about it to have an intelligent conversation about it is probably the best reason why we're not going to talk about it. But I consider that its own era of, of cardboard. And then what I call the golden age of cardboard, which is what this podcast is named and what it's going to be about predominantly. And that's from the, the post-war area, which started with 48 Bowman and 48 Leaf, right? 48, 49 Leaf. All the way through to me, 1980. Because as I said earlier, once Donruss and Fleer came in, that that kind of diluted the market so much that I, I think that's just, to me, 1980 is the end. Some people will say different. What do you say? Well, I'm see, I'm with you. Like the kind of I think people from our generation, it's always been 1980. And I guess the big debate going on now is like as time goes on, does that does that ever change? And 
I mean, I guess I can see where some people would think that it would or it should, but I don't know. Like for me, I guess kind of for the reasons you mentioned, 1980 seems to be the cutoff because that was really the last year that it was just tops, you know, like you had Fleer and Donruss coming in in 81. And that to me kind of signifies a change right there. So for me, it's still, it's still going to be 1980, but I guess I can understand why people would want to maybe move that. I've heard some people talk about, you know, like the eighties could be considered vintage now, but to me, that just makes me feel old. Well, that's, and maybe that's where we need to, as a, as a hobby, try to rebrand that idea. Think about, we, we everybody calls pre-war, pre-war, right? That's kind of, that's an era of cardboard. It yeah. had its time and then it was over. And then we had the war years. And then we had the, like I said earlier, the 48 to kind of 1980, which maybe we should call that the golden age of card. Maybe that should be the name of that era of card. Maybe it shouldn't be called vintage. It just because vintage is technically kind of anything backwards from whatever year you want to draw a line in the sand on. And then, so you maybe go, all right, that's kind of the golden age of cardboard, just as it was the golden age of baseball. Then maybe you kind of look at the era of from 1981 till 1996 or so, right? It's it's proverbially called the junk wax era, which I've never liked that term because I think it's pretty nice stuff. I don't like to call it junk, and we all had plenty of it. And if you're watching on YouTube, by the way, uh, that's my dog Norman back there. Yeah, good friends. That's right. so maybe that's an era in and of itself. And and I've heard, I can't remember some of the, have you heard some of the names people call that they, they don't call it the junk wax era. They have, they've come up with some clever names. I'm just blanking on them right now. Um, I mean, to me, it's just like, it's commonly referred to as the junk wax, junk wax era. And, um, you know, like for us that grew up during that time and collecting, I mean, it wasn't the junk wax, junk wax era then. I mean, we didn't, we didn't know that they were, overproducing it that much i guess right maybe we should have but we didn't really care at the time and this was you know pre-ebay and stuff like that so it was kind of i guess it was hard to know what was out there i remember going to sam's and seeing pallets and pallets of score 88 score 89 score you know tops pallets and pallets of score and our tops cards so that's an era and then i think you kind of have the you know 96 to now kind of this last 25 years of kind of that modern era where you've had more sophisticated products you know you have refractors and uh you know different technology that's been introduced into into sports cards that's kind of created it's a modern feel to sports cards that are very different than either pre-war golden era or junk wax era and we'll, we'll come up with a good name for that by the way but do you see what I mean? If we do, if we just segregate the hobby into eras, then it starts to make sense. Then it doesn't become, is that vintage or not? We're just talking about different eras of the hobby. Yeah. In time. And so maybe that's how we'll delineate what we're talking about here. Um, and agree, disagree. I, I, we're not saying that's the tried and true. It's got to be right our way or the highway, but it, it seems to make sense. Uh, but defining vintage is important. And, and for us on this show, it's going to be essentially 1948 to 1980. And that's what we're going to focus on and hopefully educate you guys about. 
So as we get ready to roll with this thing and start rolling out a bunch of episodes, Andy, what are you most looking forward to? What are you what are you excited about? Well, I'm really excited because I know that we're going to be able to get a lot of, of cool guests on here that are going to be, you know, way more knowledgeable than myself. I can't speak for you. I mean, you're 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 more knowledgeable in this era than I am. But so they'll definitely be more knowledgeable than me. So I'm looking forward to um, not only trying to, you know, let the people out there know kind of what I know so far, but also learning more along the way about this. Um, because like I said, I'm I'm a huge fan of the history of baseball and uh, I, I'm really intrigued by a lot of the details as far as like these players and sets go. So, yeah, I'm just kind of I'm looking forward to the, the conversations that that are going to take place and hopefully, you know, maybe help some people out as well as learn some things myself. Yeah. I hope that over time, as we talk through these, the different sets and the different players that an appreciation begins to grow and, you know, it takes time to do that. I'm not saying you're just going to fall in love with vintage overnight. If you're, if you don't now, if you're listening to this and you're not a vintage person or you don't, you've never understood it or you just, eh, I'm more into the today stuff. And I think a lot of that has to do, if we think about why people gravitate towards modern cards, it really does make sense. You can watch these guys play. You can watch, you can follow the teams and they're your hometown team or your favorite player on your favorite team. You can collect their cards. You can go buy a pack and maybe hit their card. Go on eBay and buy whatever you want. There's, I, I get it, right? I get why you would love why people will love modern and gravitate towards it. The 20 something year old kid that's getting started in the hobby. I'm 46, by the way, so I can call a 20 something, a kid and he's a kid, right? But they gravitate towards that because they can make that connection. I never saw Mickey Mantle play. Never saw Hank Aaron play, Willie Mays, Hank Greenberg, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, and yet I have tremendous respect for what they did. And I've learned about them over the years and read articles and believe it or not, watched them play through the beauty of YouTube and the beauty of being able to watch World Series games when Jackie Robinson and Roy Campanella played against Mickey Mantle and, you know, Roger Maris. I mean, it's, it's amazing what you can learn now. And what we do, if we can give somebody a taste of that and make them eager to learn more, then I say job well done. Yeah, and the great thing about this hobby and collecting is you don't have to just do one or the other as far as collecting vintage or modern or you don't even have to pick a single sport. Like there's there's so many different things that, that you can do in this hobby and hopefully this will just, you know, maybe let people know what's out there as far as you know vintage goes because i honestly believe a lot of the newer people they just, i don't think it's that they don't like it they just don't really know much about it right that's my dog hopefully yep, that's not that current. let's hope that doesn't happen a lot on our show as we move forward but um really norman maybe we'll edit that out hopefully we can I don't know if Norman is cheering or booing. <laughs> I don't know. He's probably a little of both, but 
but you're you're right. I mean, it, the the idea of bringing people along to to learn is is great. Um, I'm super excited about it, and I I'm going to learn things too. I'm going to get to revisit things and research and talk. We're going to get to talk, like you said, talk to great people that know so much about the hobby. Uh, it'll it'll be a lot of fun, um, dude. Seriously, Norman. Just and I think that's that's one of my favorite things about this hobby is it doesn't matter if you've been in it for one year, 20 years, 40 years, there's always more out there to learn about. Like it's never, you're never going to know everything about it. So it's just continuous learning and there's always something new to dive into. Yeah. And I hope that people, we, we have a friend close for me, both. We have a mutual friend that, that we love. He'll know who he is. When I say this quote that he uses all the time, this hobby's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And if you look at it that way, because of what you just said, that you're never going to know it anyway, just enjoy the ride. Appreciate the, the process of learning. Appreciate the process of getting to know these great sets and these great players from the past. Don't forget it. Don't just ignore it. I think it's, uh, I think you can get, a, the hobby can get a lot richer if you, in, in terms of your attachment to it, if you're, if you're willing to step out of your comfort zone a little bit and, you know, investigate things that you may not have thought about before. Yeah. And to that point, like, do you like, just in your opinion, do you think that is part of the reason why some people don't really ever look at vintage? Do you think that they're just intimidated because they just don't feel like they have enough knowledge to go out there and make that first purchase? I do. Um, I mean, I'm sure that's part, that's gotta be a large part of it. Maybe we'll have somebody on that doesn't collect vintage to, to ask them those types of questions. Yeah. I mean, why they avoid it. Uh, that would be a good episode. Probably look at us coming up with ideas just on the fly. Well, I was just thinking, you know, like any, anything that you, you don't really know much about it, it can be intimidating to kind of, you know, branch out a little bit well but, I, just for me like when i started buying vintage i was buying raw cards and i kept thinking golly i know there's so many fakes out there and so many you know am i buying something that's been altered or trimmed or whatever and that scared me because again you're putting all this money into vintage and of course my wife's calling right now um, there's going to be so many edits on this. <laughs> it's gonna be but it's, it can be intimidating when you go and you're, you're spending all this money investing into uh, investing when you're buying a lot of vintage, it can be expensive. And so you, you want to be, you don't want to get, you know, hoodwinked on anything. There's a real danger of that, like a legitimate fear slash reality that a lot of it's kind of been jacked with and so i gravitated towards buying graded cards because and as we know now that's a whole maybe another episode but th that may or may not be as legit as we once thought but at least to me i think if if the grading companies do nothing else right they at least can tell you is this card real or is it fake that doesn't mean they can tell you if it's trimmed or altered, but they can at least tell you this. This is a genuine 1959 Topps card or whatever year it is, right? And so that to me provides at least some comfort as I'm buying vintage cards. So I, 
you're right. I was, and I'd been doing this a long time already when I started going into vintage and I started going, man, I don't, I've been doing this a long time. I don't know what to look for. How do you ever know? I've learned more since, right? I've educated myself and things like that, but you, you don't want to, I think it's a danger. And here's the, here's the thing I would caution people on. Don't not collect vintage because you're worried. Meaning don't wait until you know everything. Cause guess what? You never, You'll never collect vintage because you won't know it. You'll never get there. Yeah. And just like life, a lot of the times we, we learn the best after we've made a mistake. And that's happened to me numerous times on Hall of Fame autographs where I've ended up buying secretarials or, or forgeries or whatever. And I've learned from that mistake. And it's taught me the best lessons is by making mistakes. You just don't want it to be a mistake that, you know, crushes you, right? But making mistakes is a great lesson. You just don't, uh, a mistake's only a mistake if you don't learn from it. And yeah, so and that's, uh, that's one of the things like in, in this hobby, there's so many great people and resources out there. So I, I encourage anyone that's looking to, you know, possibly get into vintage that's really not super familiar with it to, you know, watch watch some of these guys on on YouTube that that have collected vintage for years and you know reach out to those guys if you have a question reach out to us if you have a question um you know because if if we don't know the answer I bet we probably know someone that would know the answer so yeah don't don't be afraid to ask questions and because it is it's easy to be intimidated by it if if you think you have to you know, go out and do it all alone. But there's, there's a lot of people that have done this for a lot of years that can help out. Wouldn't you agree? Totally agree. And and there's no silly question. You don't know till you know. Uh, I see it all the time. People will look at a vintage card or they'll be doing something and they, they call it the wrong set. And I, I get a kick out of that. Um, but I don't, I go, man, I, you just need to learn that that's a XYZ set. And it's just because they don't know yet. Yeah. And that just takes time. And there's nothing wrong with learning. Nothing wrong with asking questions. Uh, I think you're you're silly if you don't ask the question. Yeah. Like, who's that on? That's on you. So ask the questions. We, we want to help. What else? We good? We're going to wrap up episode one here. I think we've... Uh, I think we kind of... We've kind of let people, you know, have a general idea of what hopefully things are going to be like on here. And hopefully, you know, people will, you know, be willing to contribute as far as, you know, asking good questions and providing great topics. I mean, that's to me, that's something I'm really looking forward to with this is like just the, the interaction from the people out there. Um, I really, you know, hope they feel inclined to contribute. I hope the same thing. And. You know, again, guys, everybody, thanks for giving us a shot and inviting us into your earbuds or however you're listening to us on YouTube or StormCloud or whatever, all the iTunes, wherever all these places are going to be that you can hear this. Thank you for being a part of our inaugural episode. Thank you for coming along with us. Uh, so on behalf of Andy Davis, we're going to let you guys get back to your day. Hope you have a great one. And remember to keep collecting.